You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today, the topic of our podcast is following your heart when your heart has led you astray. I realize I've never really devoted a podcast to the heart. This wonderful, beautiful organ within our body beating like a drum to the rhythm of our life. Our heartbeat means that we're alive. We all hope for a strong and steady heart. Throughout life, our heart may skip a beat. It draws us to places, to people, and to various ways in which we express ourselves. We also suffer a broken heart more than once in our life. Sometimes it can feel as if our heart is shattered into a million tiny pieces, and yet underneath it all, it continues to beat. There are two things we're really talking about when we talk about the heart. We talk about the actual physical organ, and then there's the symbolic heart, right in the center of our chest in what is known as the heart chakra. The symbolic heart carries the emotion of love. It's the love center. It's the part of us that we often close off to love and that we open to love. Our heart can become hardened by life when it has been broken far too many times or even one very big time. In my life, I've been told I have a big heart, a loving heart, a soft heart, and an open heart, yet my life has not been without intense heartbreak and heartache. When the heart is broken open, there's an opportunity to let more love in but so many of us close our hearts instead. What I talk about here with opening our heart, closing our heart, and suffering heartache and heartbreak all has to do with the emotional energy in the heart chakra. Our physical heart is not broken unless we suffer from heart disease, yet the energy in the heart can bring about heart disease. If we hold on to anger or close our heart to love, that energy of the hardened heart can create heart disease. So the two really do dance together. The Heart Math Institute talks about a new discipline formed by a group of scientists called neurocardiology. One of their early findings is that the heart has a complex neural network that is sufficiently extensive to be characterized as a brain on the heart. The heart brain, as it's commonly called, or intrinsic cardiac nervous system, is an intricate network of complex ganglia, neurotransmitters, proteins, and support cells, the same as those of the brain in the head. The heart brain's neural circuitry enables it to act independently of this cranial brain to learn, remember, make decisions, and even feel and sense. 
The heart and the brain are in constant communication, sending signals back and forth. But it was discovered that the heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. Communication between the heart and brain is a dynamic, ongoing, two-way dialogue with each organ continuously influencing the other's function. Research has shown that the heart communicates to the brain in four major ways. Neurologically, through the transmission of nerve impulses, biochemically, via hormones and neurotransmitters, biophysically, through pressure waves, and energetically, through electromagnetic field interactions. Communication along all these conduits significantly affects the brain's activity. Research also shows that messages the heart sends to the brain also can affect performance. When we make a decision from intellect, which is our head brain, the decision must go through many various filters, including reasoning, logic, rational, and ego. However, when we make decisions from our heart, there are no filters. It's a direct line. We may make a decision just because it feels right. This is what it means to follow our heart. In a sense, we're following the feeling. Where we get into trouble in following the feeling is when we don't take into consideration this thing called the emotional body, which is an energetic field of emotion that surrounds the physical body, that interacts with the physical body. Within the emotional body is what Eckhart Tolle calls the pain body, which is where all the pain we've ever experienced in our lifetime is stored. And when our pain body is triggered, we feel immense pain and will often addictively seek to stop or suppress that pain so we don't have to feel it. I'm talking about emotional pain here. When we have a strong pain body, we may find ourselves reacting or making decisions from our triggered emotional states and confuse it with following our heart. And when we do this, we have the experience of our heart leading us astray. The heart doesn't actually lead us astray. Our activated emotional states do. We end up making decisions from fear and from the desire to stop the pain. We as humans naturally seek pleasure and avoid pain. And some studies show that we actually are not seeking pleasure as much as we are seeking to avoid discomfort. We're creatures of comfort, and when something is outside of our comfort zone, we seek to get back to what is comfortable and familiar. However, what is comfortable and familiar is not necessarily healthy. It is simply what we call the known. We fear the unknown because it's not familiar. Therefore, it's not comfortable. We would rather stick with what we know than to risk stepping into the unknown. Our heart brain will often pull us into the unknown because the heart is a joy seeker. It loves to be in the experience of joy and sometimes we need to break out of the box of familiarity in order to truly experience joy. We can become stagnant in our boxes where we feed on a steady diet of familiarity. 
Changing it up can free up our energy and redirect it in a way that allows us to feel something different. We might make choices that make us feel alive, such as traveling to a place we've never been before, or putting ourselves at risk in some way. Some people jump out of airplanes and off tall buildings with a bungee cord strapped to their ankles in order to feel alive. Feeling alive in this case is to feel the adrenaline rushing through the body. One may feel exhilarated from the experience and confuse exhilaration with joy. But once the body calms back down and the rush has passed, just like coming down from a drug, everything goes back to the previous state of being, whatever that was. We can also confuse this mad dash to the next adrenaline rush with the guidance of our heart. But it's really just a desire to feel alive and sometimes we feel most alive under the threat of death. Another thing that causes us to feel alive is falling in love. Falling in love produces endorphins that give us this chemical rush. And many of us believe we're following our heart when we're really following the endorphin rush. So the big question is, how do I know if I'm following my head, my heart, my endorphins, or my activated pain body? Well, stick with me. We're going to do a deeper dive into the affairs of the heart. Sometimes it's a matter of doing a process of elimination. So let's go first to the brain and the head. This is where you will find your logic and reasoning. In the left brain, this is where you ask the question, is this reasonable? Does it make sense? Is this a sound, logical decision? If you find yourself asking these questions, you can be assured you're in your head. I'm going to use a new relationship as an example of how we might come to a decision as to if we wish to pursue it or not. If you're in your head, you may ask the question, is this a good fit? Is he or she stable, financially secure, kind, caring, available, both physically and emotionally? The next thing to look at is the ego. The ego is concerned with your survival. And part of that survival is to be accepted by the group, which may include feeling admired, adored, loved, appreciated, respected. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel these things. We all want to be loved and appreciated. But if we're looking at the ego in our decision making, we may need to consider what our deeper motivation is for making a decision. Are we taking that job because it provides greater income where we could be the envy of our friends with our big new house and new car? Or are we taking that job because it's what we truly aspire to do? The ego will also choose a partner based on beauty, prestige, and power rather than love. The ego will choose a trophy wife or a football star for the attention it will bring to them. Next, we have the pain body. When the pain body is triggered, we react rather than act. When you make a decision as a result of the pain body being activated, you're making a decision to avoid pain and discomfort. You may choose to leave a relationship when you are activated without ever really thinking it through or entering your feeling self when the waters are calmer. 
When we make decisions in the wake of a raging storm, we're in survival mode and not capable of using logic, reasoning, and superior judgment. The pain body may lead you to up and quit your job when you're triggered, and in the morning after you've calmed back down, you may ask yourself, what did I just do? So now we come back to the heart. What does it feel like to follow your heart? I see the heart as containing the properties of inner knowing or intuition as well as feelings. You may find yourself doing something just because it feels right. And when you can eliminate the other properties from the equation and really drop into your inner knowing and feeling center, you can trust in the guidance of the heart. Your heart is your love center. So decisions made from the heart are made from pure love. Not from what we know as toxic love or obsessive love, but from pure love. Toxic love and obsessive love isn't really love, it's addiction. And when you make a choice because it feeds your addiction, it's not going to be a healthy choice. Many people go back to their toxic relationship because they're feeding an addiction, avoiding feeling the pain in the pain body or going back to what is comfortable and familiar. The intuitive heart may warn them not to go back, but they ignore the warning. Notice I used the term intuitive heart. Intuition, often thought to be a property of the right brain, is actually more likely a property of the heart brain. Science is now showing that personality types are not necessarily the result of being more right-brained or left-brained. We've often thought the left brain is the property of the rational, logical, and reasoning aspects, where the right brain is more the feminine, intuitive, nurturing aspects. However, it's more likely that the feminine properties of love, nurturing, and intuition are aspects of the heart brain, not the right hemisphere of the brain. Assuming this is true, then intuition is a property of the heart which makes even more sense to me. When we follow our heart, we're following not only a deep feeling, but a deep intuitive knowing. The HeartMath Institute tells us, much attention has been given to identifying the many factors that go into making good decisions. Among these are awareness of self and others, cognitive flexibility, and self-regulation of emotions. All of these are important for bringing more consciousness into our daily situations and the decisions we make. Something else that should be considered in good decision making, and we've all experienced it, perhaps without being fully aware of it, is intuition. It's commonly acknowledged that intuitive perception plays an important role in business decisions and entrepreneurship. Learning medical diagnosis, healing, spiritual growth, and overall well-being. The HeartMath Institute also talks about heart intelligence, a central role in creating physiological coherence and is associated with heartfelt positive emotions and intuition. It's not surprising that one of the strongest threads uniting the views of diverse cultures and religious and spiritual traditions throughout history 
has been a universal regard that is the source of love, wisdom, intuition, courage, etc. Everyone is familiar with such expressions as put your heart into it, learn it by heart, speak from your heart. All of these suggest an implicit knowledge that the heart is more than a physical pump that sustains life. Such expressions reflect what is often called the intuitive or spiritual heart. Throughout history, people have turned to their intuitive heart, also referred to as their inner voice, soul, or higher power, as a source of wisdom and guidance. A lot of the information for my podcast come from my inner knowing or intuition. In fact, as I was working up this episode, the term intuitive heart came through me without thinking about it. Later, when I researched some of the HeartMath Institute's material on heart intelligence, my intuition was validated not only with the Institute also suggesting our intuition is a property of the heart, but going as far as using the same term, intuitive heart. I often hear from clients who are involved in toxic relationships with narcissistic people that it is their heart that pulls them back. They talk about how the narcissist in their life tugs on their heartstrings. Yet the same people will tell me they intuitively know it isn't in their highest good to go back to that toxic situation. If the intuition and the heart are not in alignment, something's off. Our heart really should not lead us astray, but our addictive patterns will. Most people who get involved in relationships with narcissists talk about the early warning signs we call red flags. Red flags are actually things we see, hear, or experience that warn us that something is wrong. We also may get intuitive hits or communication from within that something just isn't right. Something just doesn't feel right. We don't trust what we know because another aspect of us is leading the horse. The aspect that does lead us into danger is not our heart, but our subconscious pattern matches that match our familiar patterns of childhood with someone who will mirror to us the same kinds of patterns. We may stay in a toxic relationship or return to one because we have a deep-seated fear of abandonment that is activated by an abandoning partner. When our abandonment wound is activated, we're strongly drawn to the abandoner to appease the wound. This means we're attracted to the herder to be the healer. The herder or the wounder can never be the healer, yet our subconscious patterns pull us into a toxic situation in order to try and heal the toxicity. It's important for you to know it's the subconscious patterns and core wounding that are pulling you towards a toxic relationship or environment, not your heart. Because the pain of separation from a toxic partner triggers your abandonment wounds, your wound of rejection, inadequacy, unworthiness, and so on, you're thrown into extreme discomfort. 
Because it's our nature to avoid discomfort, we seek the comfort of the familiar, even if the familiar is abusive and destructive to us. Our toxic and dysfunctional patterns will always lead us astray, not our heart. A broken heart is not really a broken heart. It's an overwhelming activation of the pain body or core wounds. The heart hurts during such an activation because the heart is the love center and you're experiencing a lack of love. The heart pulls us towards love and loving actions and behavior. The pain body pulls us into our core pain and separates us from the love we so desperately long for. When we're in deep pain, we do tend to go into fear and separation. With fear being the opposite of love, when we are in fear, we're not in love. We're not in our hearts. Instead, we're in our pain of unworthiness and our fear that we're not lovable. It always feels good to be in the energy of love, which is why falling in love is such a beautiful feeling. The heart really doesn't discriminate who we love, and so we can fall in love with unhealthy partners. It's often when we are under the endorphin influence of falling in love that we ignore our intuitive knowing when it tells us that to proceed would be dangerous. Love being the highest vibrational feeling, it can't discriminate. The heart just wants to love. And there's no real benefit to closing our heart to love. There's no real benefit to try and force ourselves to stop loving someone who is bad for us. Instead, it would make more sense to let go in love to release that person in the spirit of love and forgiveness while moving towards a relationship that is healthier and more mutually loving. Clients will often tell me, I can't stop loving that person, or I'm really embarrassed because I still love him after all that he's done. There's never anything bad or wrong about loving someone, but we need to factor ourselves into the equation. We must learn to love ourselves first and foremost because when we develop enough self-love, we don't allow ourselves to be abused or mistreated. We can still love a person and let them go. In toxic relationship dynamics, this is often the most self-loving thing to do. People stay in toxic relationships because they say, but I love him. Or I love her. Yet the deeper truth is, this is likely not love, but neediness and a desire for that person to change into the person that you want them to be. The deepest love is unconditional and it doesn't ask a person to change who they are. Instead, it's accepting of people exactly as they are. We can accept someone exactly as they are and not be willing to be around them. We can distance ourselves from people who are abusive or hurtful and accept where they are on their journey. The vibration of love doesn't ask us to remain in unloving environments. It asks us to love ourselves enough to seek more positive and loving environments. We need to rise up to higher levels of self-love and accept higher 
levels of love and care from others. Following your heart should lead you higher up the ladder to a place where you are more authentically you, where you're living a greater sense of purpose, where you're surrounded by loving and caring people, and where you are being true to yourself. Practice following your heart in small things, and you will find that you can follow your heart in situations that lead you to a life that is truly in alignment with who you have come here to be. Thank you so much for listening today. And once again, for more information on my work, you can visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Have a great day, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you.